Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, we ask you, please download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content. We have Restless, we have uh, Bishop Caggiano's show, uh, Let's Be Frank, Frontline with Joe and Joe, and we are an EWTN affiliate. So you get all EWTN programming, and then you can share the information with your friends. And if you like what Joe and I do, if you like our style, we have our social media commentary show at the Frontline TV or the Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. Um, and we appreciate all your support. Today, we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Father Wade Menezes. Um, and many of you know Father Wade from EWTN. Um, there are some of you who may not, but either way, I'm going to give a quick bio. Today, we're going to be discussing his new book, Catholic Essentials, a guide to understanding key church teachings. I think, Joe Resinello, this is a needed conversation. I think there's a lot of confusion going on out there, and Father Wade is going to try to clear out the fog a little bit. Father Wade Menezes, CPM, is a member of the Fathers of Mercy, a missionary preaching religious congregation based in Auburn, Kentucky, ordained a priest during the great Jubilee year of 2000. He received his Bachelor of Arts degree in Catholic thought from the Oratory of St. Philip Neri in Toronto, Canada, and his dual Master of Arts and Master of Divinity degrees in theology from Holy Apostle Seminary in Cromwell, Connecticut. Father Wade Menezes, thank you, and welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Well, thank you, Joe and Joe. It's great to be with you guys today, and I want to thank you for helping to promote this book, which I hope will reignite a greater fervor for Catholics who are already fervent in the faith. Uh, it'll make stronger in the faith those who are lukewarm in the faith, and it will help return to the faith those who have abandoned it. And also for non-Catholics to have them look at the teachings of the faith, to uh, pray about maybe joining the faith if they feel so called that the Holy Spirit is moving them to the fullness of truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly what we're going to get into, Father. Um, so with that, uh, Father, if you would, could you, uh, could you lead us in a prayer? Absolutely, Joe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, through your Son, in the most Holy Spirit, O blessed Trinity, guide our minds, our lips, our tongues, the wisdom that you give us to share these truths of our one holy Catholic and apostolic faith through the heavenly intercession, especially of Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, and Mary, Mother of the Church. We make our prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray, pray for, for us. us. And St. Camillus Delalis, today's patron saint, pray for us. Pray for us. And our own individual guardian angels and patron saints, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for that, Father. With that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Russ. And although we're going to have a great conversation here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Catholic Essentials, Father Wade's new book, Joe Russinello. Father, you mentioned, you know, basically in the introduction, the twofold reason why you wrote the book. But clearly, um, our faith should be at the forefront of our daily lives. I mean, regardless of one's vocation, we should all be striving um, for holiness. Um, how's the best way to go about that? I mean, obviously, you know, uh, priests, that that's what you do, but, but it, that's for everybody. Um, how does your book help us to do that? Well, you know, I wrote the book, uh, Joe, primarily to serve as a why, W-H-Y, to serve as a why uh, to the church's various teachings that seem to be at the fore a lot. You know, the Fathers of Mercy, of which I'm a member of, we are itinerant missionary preachers. That's our main apostolate. That's why we were founded immediately after the French Revolution in an effort to bring the people back uh, to practicing their Catholic faith following the havoc and destruction of the French Revolution and the havoc and destruction that it, it blew to the church there in France. And the original Fathers of Mercy, a group of seven, had such success in bringing the people back to practicing their faith that uh, the Archbishop of Paris and Lyon asked the Fathers of Mercy to continue on as a missionary preaching band. And here we are 200 years later, still preaching the truths of our faith. You know, a, a lot of people seem to know what the church teaches, the what, the W-H-A-T, whether Catholics themselves practicing or non, whether non-Catholic Christians like our Protestant brothers and sisters, and even non-Christians like some of our Muslim brothers and sisters or, or Buddhist brothers and sisters. Everyone seems to know what the church teaches, but very few can articulate the why. Again, the W-H-Y. So these 81 chapters, uh, they're short and to the point. I don't think any one chapter is over four and a half pages of my new book, Catholic Essentials, uh, A Guide to Understanding Key Church Teachings. Uh, and these short chapters are, are meant to serve, if you will, as a one-two punch as to the why of the teaching in question. And as an itinerant preacher, especially preaching week-long parish missions in parishes throughout the United States and Canada and Australia, these are some of the, the topics, these 81 chapters. These are some of the topics that I find people having a particular interest in. And that's why the 81 chapters, to be honest with you, Joe, are covered in five parent categories, morals, dogma, the sacraments, liturgy, and ecclesiology. So it's kind of given a, a, a full picture as to the why of some of these more uh, uh, human interest teachings of the faith. Father Wade Menezes, let me ask a question here at the front line with Joe and Joe along those lines, okay? What do you do? I mean, I feel like you mentioned the French Revolution, and obviously there are many probably, I guess, what we looking back might call laps or ex-Catholics that were involved in the French Revolution and probably a seduced citizenry to some degree um, yeah. that, that maybe gave uh, some support to it. Do you see the same thing now? The reason why I ask that is because what do you do um, if you're trying to preach in the way you're describing? What do you do when... Some people just quite frankly don't care about the why. They care about the what. Very quick example, and I I'll throw it over to you. Humanae Vitae clearly spells out why the church teaches against contraception. Okay, sure, sure. Clearly. I've read it once. I need to go back and read it again. It's very clear, to, and it does what you say. It says, why is the church? And most people just don't. Many people. Let me not say most. Many people just reject it. How do we 
kind of combat that because some people don't want to hear the why. They just reject the what. Well, I like to stress in giving the teaching, I like to stress first, Joe, and I think this is important. We don't hear this enough. We're meant to be good students of the faith by virtue of our baptismal mandate, having received the sacrament of baptism, and by virtue of our confirmation mandate, having received the sacrament of confirmation. These these are very, very important mandates. So once we can understand what we're called to and the greatness, um, the best version of self that already exists in God's divine mind for each one of us personally, Father Wade and Joe and Joe, uh, there's already a best version of self that exists in God's divine mind for each one of us, and he wants us to attain that. Some are closer than others, but one thing's for certain, this best version of self, living this active sacramental life, this life of his sanctifying grace, is tied to these mandates, especially of these two sacraments of the three sacraments of initiation, baptism and confirmation, the third one being the Eucharist, which sustains us along with one of the sacraments of healing, uh, which is confession, and the other sacrament of healing is the anointing of the sick for the body, soul, composite of man. So for example, um, the Second Vatican Council's document uh, that's meant for all states in life, singles, marrieds, and consecrated religious, ad gentis, uh, the, the, the council's decree on the missionary activity of the church uh, in the world, uh, says this, quote, upon all Christians rests the noble obligation of working to bring all people throughout the world to hear and accept the divine message of salvation, end quote. That, that's, a, that's a powerhouse sentence there. Upon all Christians rest the noble obligation of working to bring all people throughout the world to hear and accept the divine message of salvation. And then a second quote that I like to share is specifically from the document on the laity themselves, just the laity, not clerics now, not consecrated religious, but just the laity. And it's this, and it says, um, uh, upon every disciple of Christ is responsible in his or her own measure for the spread of the faith. So whether single or, or married or widowed, all are called to share the truth of the faith with others. And once I've laid that foundation in an effort to call them back to this awesome call that all of us have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came for us, who died for us, um, who carried out the Paschal mystery for us, his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension, that four event event is the Paschal Mystery. And that second time I use the word event there, think of it as a capital E. The Paschal Mystery is that four event, event of his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension. Once we can understand all that he's done for us and how through the sacramental economy of the seven sacraments, it's continued um, through the two sacraments of the seven that can be received over and over again, that is Eucharistic, uh, the Eucharist and confession. This is why they're so crucial to our daily lives, because they sustain us, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're widowed, whether we're priests, diocesan or religious order, whether we're consecrated men or women in religious life. These two sacraments out of the seven are the only two that can be received over and over and over and over and over again, because they sustain us. And once we can see this this big picture of this baptismal mandate, of this confirmation mandate that call us to be the best version of self, then we can begin to teach the truths of our faith. You know, it's not by accident that I cover these five parent categories that I've already enunciated that cover the 81 individual chapters, because they help round the fullness of the human person. 
we're not just about faith. Uh, we're not just about reason. We're not just about sacraments. We're not just about the church. We're not just about morals. We're not just about dogma. We're about all of these to, to fully round out the human person. Now, having all said that, okay, I, I end answering your question, Joe, with this. Let me say in a short synthesis of how we've gotten to the mark we've gotten to today with very few knowing the why. And I've already mentioned the French Revolution, and you've mentioned, mentioned in more recent times, Humanae Vitae, how most Catholics have rejected Humanae Vitae by now Pope Saint Paul VI. And I admit, this is, in a, this is a very cursory way that I'm presenting how we got to this point. Are you ready? You, yes. Those chairs you two Joes are sitting in, do they have seat belts? Because if they do, We're you're ready to roll. We're ready Let to me, roll. Before okay, you rock, Father Wade. Father Wade Menezes joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, and we're discussing Catholic Essentials, a guide to understanding key church teachings out from Sophia Press. Go ahead, Father, hit it. Okay. Here's five major philosophers and politicos who have helped contribute to where we've gotten to today. And this is just a quick version of the history, but the French philosopher emphasized human freedom, but denied human morality. Okay. Sigmund Freud stressed human instinct, but suppressed the spiritual. All right. Frederick Nietzsche glorified the individual, but disdained the community. He defined hell as, quote, other people. Well, there's love for you, right? Sure. There's love for you. I'm saying that sarcastically. So we wonder why rage and anger is so prevalent today in the culture. Okay. Fatherless homes, uh, mass shootings, etc. Again, Frederick Nietzsche glorified the individual but disdained the community. He defined hell as, quote, other people, end quote. All right. Number three of the five, Karl Marx, the founder of communism. He celebrated the community but rejected the individual and the individual's rights, all right? For example, the right, to private the right to private property, the right to a just wage, the right to religious freedom, et cetera, all right? And lastly, Charles Darwin was enamored with empirical science, okay? But he excluded the reality of metaphysics, something that St. Thomas Aquinas did so powerfully to bring to the fore the reality of, the reality of metaphysics. So usher in then things like the French Revolution, usher then in World War I, usher then in World War II, usher then in such things as secular humanism and relativism, which have gotten us into the state or place where we are today, where there's a profound rejection of God. You know, there's a great quote by St. John Paul II in Evangelium Vitae, the Gospel of Life encyclical. He says this, um, he identifies certain elements of what he calls, quote, the spirit of the age, end quote, uh, which the modern culture is currently suffering from. He describes them as the following, quote, skepticism or even an outright denial about the existence of objective moral truth. This in turn is wedded to an individual autonomy. This is categorically opposed to suffering and dependency and caring for the other. And these are convinced of an individualistic, material, and man-made notion of progress and freedom, where the individual becomes the demigod. This is how we've gotten 
into the state we are today. And then one final quote on this, and then I want to turn it back over to you guys, because this is laying the foundation now of why I even wrote the book, Catholic Essentials, okay? Um, Archbishop Jose Gomez of, of Los Angeles, he wrote a wonderful book called Men of Brave Heart, The Virtue of Courage in Priestly Life. He wrote it for priests. And he says this, he, he argues that societies in the West are built upon enlightenment prejudices and that there was good in the enlightenment, okay, but unfortunately the enlightenment prejudices have shined through. Uh, that see, for example, organized religion and the existence of the Catholic Church and its doctrine as barriers to human freedom and development. These deep-seated prejudices against religion and faith and the church are behind the intense pressures to exclude all talk of God, he says, all talk of faith, all talk of religious values from public life in the West or from political life in the West. As a result, in my view, he says, this is Archbishop Gomez, as a result, he says, in my view, a practical atheism has almost become the de facto religion in America and throughout the West. And by this, I mean, he says, that more and more in order to live in our society, to participate in its economic and political life even, people are required to conduct themselves as if God does not exist. There you have it. I, I, I get, I get, I'm going to hand it over to Joe so we can keep the conversation going. I get so angry, Father Wade Menezes, I, and, and I, I hope it's a righteous anger. I don't want it to cross that, that, that line into uh, sinful anger. Um, I, I, I can't stand when people try to actually put across that somehow, some way, without all of us knowing, okay, we're fairly educated guys. You went to a lot more school than Joe and I did, but we went, you know, we went to good Catholic schools and, and Catholic college. Okay. I didn't read anywhere in the constitution that secularism and atheism is the default position of the United States of America. I didn't read that part. You know why it ain't in there. What is in there and what is in the Federalist Papers and what is in the writings of the founders was that this doesn't work without a moral society. It That's doesn't right. work. I don't care what, well, communism is something that's condemned by the church. So leaving communism aside, any variation of, let's say, whether a democracy or republic or even a monarchy, none of it will work. <laughs> none of it's going to be just if you don't have a moral citizenry. Um, and, and, and people just, and I, get, I just get so angry because atheists will say, or many atheists will say, like, well, that's your religious view. You can't bring it into the public square. Like, take abortion. Abortion's not a religious view. All right. It's a view. It's a. It's actually a. a, a, a fundamentally, it's a view of what you human life beginning um, at the moment of conception is a biological statement. Okay. Um, right. And and yet, well, you can't you can't argue that because it's it, it's using the the club of you can't bring religion into the public square to beat you over the head to try to bully you out of the public square. And it gets me so angry because we're not required to do that as Americans. Father, quick comment. Then I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Yeah, you know, it's because the relativism, the secular humanism has thrown out the reality of the natural law, which is tied to the moral revealed law. Look, us, us Catholics believe that all, has, all that has been revealed that is worthy of acceptance and assent of faith to lead us to salvation, indeed to put us on the road to salvation, is, as St. Paul says in Philippians 2.12, when he says to the church members at Philippi, look, it is God's will that you work out your salvation. It is God's will that you be saved. It is not God's will that you be reprobated. A nice way of saying damned, right? Uh, all that we believe as Catholic Christians that has been revealed to us 
as worthy of religious assent, thereby working with God's grace to put ourselves on the road to salvation. And his grace is always his gratuitous gift because he's always the primary mover in our lives. Yet we have the freedom to accept him or reject him. We believe that all that has been revealed comes through a three-legged stool, sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium, the teaching office of the church rooted in the apostolic college of the original 12. Now, if you take a three-legged stool and turn it upside down, what shape do the legs make of that three-legged stool? A triangle, right? A triangle. You remove one leg from that three-legged stool, not only will the stool collapse, but you will collapse personally. In other words, you separate yourself from either sacred scripture and or sacred tradition, whether oral or, or written, handed on, in part, for example, like the writings of the church fathers. Or thirdly, the magisterium of the church, the, the teaching office of the church from the Latin word magister, which means teacher, again, rooted in the apostolic college of the original 12. You separate yourself from either one of those three legs, you risk falling. And that's what's happened. So the argument to those who say you can't bring religion into this, well, wait a minute, the, the, the moral law of my Catholic faith is tied to the natural law. Nobody, regardless of what their faith is, even the agnostic and the atheist, can't deny the natural law. So, so we also believe as Catholic Christians, and I bring this out in the book, that all that is presented in this three-legged stool, scripture, tradition, and the magisterium, is safeguarded by what's called the deposit of faith. The deposit of faith. Listen to this. This is right out of the glossary of the Universal Catechism of the Catholic Church, which came out from John Paul II in 1992, and the English edition came out in 1994. It's the first universal catechism since the Council of Trent, which ran from 1545 to 1645. So it's the first universal catechism in 500 years. Listen to this. The, the, the deposit of faith, also referred to as the sacred deposit of faith. Quote, the deposit of faith is the heritage of the faith contained in sacred scripture and tradition, handed on in the church from the time of the apostles, from which the magisterium, that is the teaching office of the church, draws all that it proposes for belief as being divinely revealed by God and thereby merits religious assent through faith on the part of the individual. And that's why we read in the same glossary this about faith. Faith is one of the three theological virtues, along with hope and charity. Faith is both a gift of God to the individual and a human act by which the individual, the human individual, gives back to God through personal adherence and religious assent that which has been revealed to him through the deposit of faith. So how can I know, literally know, literally, not metaphorically, but literally know, quote, end quote, that abortion is an intrinsic moral evil? because Holy Mother Church teaches it through scripture, tradition, and the magisterium. How can I know what natural marriage is and know how to uphold it and defend it as a covenant, as an image reality of both Christ and his bride, the church, which he founded, and which we know by her four marks, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic, because the church teaches it through the three-legged stool of scripture, tradition, the magisterium, et cetera, et cetera. So I then give religious assent, but a lot of people don't know these things because not to blame Vatican II, I had a great theology professor in seminary who said Vatican II is not the cause 
of this confusion, but it is the occasion of the confusion. Vatican II was solid as a rock. It's the 21st Ecumenical Council of the Church, truly ushered in by the Holy Spirit, that issued 16 documents, each one on a different topic, the liturgy, the laity, consecrated religious life, etc. 16 documents on 16 different topics. Vatican II, unfortunately, was hijacked by the more progressive forces in the church, where very few laity learned about Vatican II and what it actually taught uh, after Vatican II. For example, nowhere in Vatican II are you going to see get rid of statues, get rid of religious habits of men and women consecrated religious. Uh, the priest no longer has to wear the collar. Um, move the tabernacle uh, off to the side. Uh, you're not going to see any of these things per se, per se written in the 16 documents of Vatican II. And yet this is where we've gotten Again, Vatican II is not the cause. It's a beautiful council. It's, it's a truly awesome, authentic ecumenical council. So it's not the cause of all this confusion, but it is the occasion of the confusion because the, those progressive movements in the church took the Vatican II ball, if you will, to use a sports metaphor, and ran in the wrong direction with it. And we've suffered ever since. Hence, a reason for a book on 81 important topics like abortion um, that teach the why of the church teaching and at the same time teaches why we have to be good students of the faith because of our baptismal mandate and our confirmation mandate. Absolutely. Father Wade Menezes joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Catholic Essentials, a guide to understanding key church teachings. That is his book. It is out at Sophia Institute Press. Joe Racinello, we could start a question and we'll we'll get a conversation going before the break. Father, I may respectfully cut you off uh, just to go to a break, but let's keep the conversation going. Joe Racinello. Father, you, you said so much there. And, and one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I love your orders, you say it like it is. We need that. And that's why this book is important, because frankly, a lot of people aren't catechized. They don't know. And that's why they right. need to know the why. And this is where I'd like you to explore, because I think we have to have an encounter with the Lord to really want to know the why. Like as in the Eucharistic Lord, I know you're real. Talk about that, but also talk about this. And this is something that has impacted my life as a Catholic. I have found before I was 22 that my way doesn't work. I'm convinced of it. And I am utterly convinced that God's way does and that I have to adhere to the vine. And it's all written down. It's all written down. Just paint by numbers and we'll be good. Talk about, A, wanting to know the why when we meet the Lord, but also let's not recreate the wheel. The church, it's all written down. Father, about a minute and a half before the break, and I'll let you know when we're going to a break. You know, this, this uh, definition of faith in the glossary of the Universal Catechism, it continues. I only read the first two sentences of it, but it says that we profess this faith, Joe, through such things as an active and actual participation in the sacraments by professing the 40 plus truths of the creed, the Nicene Creed, which comes to us from 325 AD that we recite together in congregation at every Sunday mass and every holy day of obligation that falls during a weekday. Uh, it comes to us through good works, not for the works themselves, but for the charity those works help prosper. Uh, it comes to us through good and holy friendships because we see God in the other. Okay, this is why St. Francis of Assisi says, 
preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. At least it's a quote attributed to, to St. Francis of Assisi. So, so all these ways are ways, all these ways are ways in which we get to know the God who not only created us, but the God who calls us. And this in turn, Joe, is tied to the great exitus and reditus doctrines of the individual human person, me and you, Joe, and you, Joe. And what is that? Exitus means in Latin, out from or comes out of. We come from God. We come out of God. Um, uh, we, we exit from God, meaning at the beginning of our life, from, from the womb, before you were even begotten, I knew you, the Psalms tell us. And then we're called to return, reditus, R-E-D-D-I-T-U-S in the Latin, exitus, come out of God, E-X-I-T-U-S. We exit from God. We come from God. We're called to return to God, reditus. By how we live this average of 78 years, you know, those are the latest longevity statistics for those of us living in the West. Father, let's leave it there for a second. I want you to pick up on that after the break. Sure. You're at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, way in the breach with Father Wade Menezes. We are discussing his new book out from Sophia Institute Press, Catholic Essentials, a guide to understanding key church teaching. Stick around. This is a great conversation, and we have another segment for you. We'll be right back. Listen to all five of our original Veritas shows. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank, where Bishop Frank Caggiano talks about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. You can hear The Frontline with Joe and Joe every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talks to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, tune in for the only late-night talk show on Catholic media anywhere. It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. And at noon on Friday is Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Right after that, at 12.30, you can hear the Focus on Veritas, where we put the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello in the breach with Father Wade Menezes. Father Wade, so you were t discussing exitus and reditus before the end of the break. Please continue that thought. This is how we get to know the God who created us, is understanding this exitus, reditus doctrine. We come from God, we're called to return to God. And this, during this average life of 78 years in length, which are the latest longevity statistics for those of us living in the West, um, uh, whether single or married or as consecrated religious, whether diocesan priests, religious order priests, active nun teaching in the classroom or, or, or working in the hospital, a cloistered nun in the monastery, it, it doesn't matter, the retired grandparent, the working grandparent, the recently widowed grandparent, the, the, the university student who's living a chaste life during his dating period, his, his courtship periods with different young women. Why? Because baptismal mandate and confirmation and chastely. We're all called to this best version of self, right? So we get to know this God who created us and who calls 
we turn back to him. Faith continues on in the catechism and with the catechism itself by, by ending and truths of the creed, the 40 plus truths of the Nicene Creed from in the sacraments, um, friendships, holy marriages, um, and our work practicing ethics, um, et cetera. You know, you look at the seven sacraments, for example, Joe and Joe, there's three sacraments of it. Um, uh, Father, just back, we'll edit this. Just back up a little bit. Go back to uh, the three sacraments of initiation. Okay, so these three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, these two sacraments of healing, um, uh, confession and the anointing of the sick, and the two sacraments of vocation and mission, uh, matrimony and, and holy orders, we're called to enter into this reality, let alone the 40 truths of the, of the Nicene Creed, right, given us in, in 12 articles, uh, regardless of the holy friendships, regardless of the, of the holy marriages, but, but the sacraments help, help sustain us in all these things. So this is one reason why, for example, in, in fostering this relationship with God that Joe's asking me about, and how can we arrive at that relationship with God, he's the God who I exit from by his own divine will, and he's the God who desires that I return back to him by living this best version of self. You know, let me give you an example, if I may, gentlemen, of just a few of the 81 chapter titles that are peppered across these five parent categories of dogma and morals and sacraments and liturgy and ecclesiology uh, that I have found that people have really taken an interest in from the book. And these are just a few because of the emails I've received, the letters I've received, and even people who have already started reading the book. So by the time the five-day parish mission is over, because I've offered the book at the parish mission, by the time the five-day parish mission is over, they've told me what, 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 have, what has especially spoken to them in regards to individual chapters. And these are some of those chapters. The importance of a rightly formed conscience and how that is achieved, for example, especially during a voting period, huh? Mm. The importance of making an annual spiritual retreat, whether single or married or a consecrated religious. The difference between mortal sin and venial sin. The theology of the body in a day and age of transgender ideology. Why is it wrong for a man and a woman to live together before marriage? The seven capital sins and their opposite corresponding seven capital virtues. The harmony of faith and reason. Why faith alone is not good alone is not good enough. We can hopefully come back to that if we can, if we have time. Oh, I'd love to. Soul, the human soul and its immortality. God's mercy in the end times. The Antichrist. The four last things. Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Superstition. The baptismal priesthood of all the baptized and the ministerial priesthood of those who have received the sacrament of holy orders, how they are different, but yet how they work together, huh? the baptismal priesthood and the ministerial priesthood. Why is it? Does the priest say to the congregation during the offertory, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours, laity, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Only a priest can offer sacrifice, period. So how is it that the priest in his ministerial priesthood can say that from the altar to the laity in the, in the pews, in the congregation, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and your sacrifice, laity, may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. It's because of their baptismal priesthood. 
It works with the ministerial priesthood. How about the doctrine of transubstantiation, the doctrine of the real presence of Christ truly present in his body, blood, soul, and divinity, huh? From the words of consecration onwards at mass, no longer ordinary bread and wine, but truly, really, and substantially the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of the real presence through the miracle of transubstantiation. How about worship and veneration and how they differ? We give veneration to the angels and saints, but we give worship to the three divine persons of the Trinity. How about this one, gentlemen? The proper placement of tabernacle inside the church building and the church's preference of hierarchy in regards to that placement. How about the benefits of making a frequent confession? And by that, I mean once a month. Again, whether single, married, or a consecrated religious, the benefits of making a frequent confession, okay? So here you go, Catholic essentials. No one chapter, and there's 81 chapters, no one chapter is over four and a half pages. And it's, it's a one-two punch, if you will, as to the why of the doctrine. Everybody seems to know what the Catholic Church teaches, both Catholic and non-Catholics. Everybody seems to know what the Church teaches, but very few, including Catholics, can articulate the why behind the doctrine. Well, Father Wade Menezes, that's why we're happy that you wrote the book, Catholic Essentials. Joe Racinello. Father, everything you said, I'm on board with. I, honest to God. I mean, it, and this is such a needed book in this time. And frankly, I think the Holy Spirit uh, led you to it because, and we've we've talked to a number of people, uh, Ralph Martin, um, people who've written similar books, and basically because people need it. They need to know. Um, but this is, uh, you said something at the very beginning of, of the litany of things that the book covers. And one of the things is a formed conscience. And you see this on the quote unquote right of the church. I don't like to use these terms, but we'll just use them for, you know, purposes of this conversation. You know, the traditional or the orthodox, because it's just a Catholic understanding of the church. That's how I look at it. And then the quote unquote progressives, they feel that there's a primacy of conscience. Like you could hear, I've heard voices that say, the Council of Trent was the last valid council. Well, that's not correct, and that's not Catholic. And right. who are you to say so? That's my thing. Like, and then you see people on the on the other side who basically yeah. say, "Well, I'm going to come take a more pastoral." As soon as I hear that, my ears instantly go up, the hair on the back of my neck, and I in instantly listen very closely because. Who are you to come to, to, to start changing things? Because again, it's not your church, it's Jesus's church, and the conscience has to be formed by it. Ah, you just you just gave the answer right there. The conscience has to be formed. According to Catholic moral teaching, there is a primacy of conscience. However, it has to be a rightly informed conscience as opposed to an erroneous conscience. Erroneous sharing the same Latin root as the word error. We don't want our conscience to be erroneous, that is to say, in error. This is why there's a beautiful, famous quote by now Pope St. Paul VI, who gave us Humanae Vitae. He says, quote, let them follow their conscience, provided they have a rightly informed conscience, end quote. Well, how do we achieve a, a rightly informed conscience? Well, by 
familiarizing ourselves with the teachings of Holy Mother Church, again, through the three-legged stool of sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium, all safeguarded by the sacred deposit of faith, and interiorizing these through an active sacramental life, through an interiorizing of the 12 articles and 40-plus truths of the creed, etc. So we can see now, gentlemen, how it's all coming back full circle uh, in one sense, on just focusing on one topic in the book, the rightly formed conscience. The conscience becomes rightly informed and thus severs itself from an erroneous state by getting to know the truths of the faith, the natural law, the moral law, which are harmonious with one another, and then assenting through the theological virtue of faith, the other two being hope and charity, the other two theological virtues, because there's three total, giving religious assent to all that God has revealed. And we rest in that, and thereby we put ourselves with God's help as the primary mover, with his gratuitous sanctifying grace, put ourselves on the road to salvation so that when St. Paul tells the church members of Philippi, look, work out your salvation. It is God's will that you be saved. It is not God's will that you be reprobated. We see now the full story of this 78 average years of living on earth come to its fruition. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's kind of a haunting quote by St. Augustine. It's, it's, it's uh, quoted in number 1847 of the Catechism, uh, or soon after the, the section on sin, mortal and venial sin, in fact. He says, St. Augustine, now keep in mind, Augustine was a former lust addict. He tells all in his confessions, his famous classic, the, August, the, the Confessions of St. Augustine. You know, he fathered a child out of wedlock at age 17. He lived with a woman for 23 years whom he never married. And during those same 23 years, left behind him a string of discarded mistresses, right? But he had a profound conversion, so much so that the people proclaimed him the Bishop of Hippo, Northern Africa, at, at age 33, just three years after his, his uh, conversion at age 30. In fact, up to age 30, Augustine's daily prayer was one of them, and we know this from his confessions that he wrote. His, one of his most prominent prayers was, quote, convert me, O God, just not yet end quote, okay? Well, that's, a lot of us suffer from that because we're weak, we're wounded, right? Convert me, O God. I, I have an inkling towards the truth. I want to follow the truth, but I'm just not there yet. Well, Augustine suffered from that too, but he tells us this in number 1847 of the Catechism. He says, the God who willed to create us without us does not will to save us without us. Now, I'm going to put that same quote in the first person singular, okay, or the, 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 first per, the second person singular. The God who willed to create you without you does not will to save you without you. In other words, he desires Father Wade, I'll use myself as an example, he desires Father Wade to be an active co-operator, a co-worker in the Latin, co-opere literally means to work with. God desires that Father Wade becomes an actual co-operator with him, a co-worker co with him, in moving Father Wade himself towards a life of God's sanctifying grace, which is always his gratuitous gift as the primary mover. But God himself doesn't want to do it all. He wants Father Wade to be involved in this process. So he calls Father Wade through an active sacramental life. He calls Father Wade through living the Nicene Creed and its truths. He calls Father Wade through holy friendships. He calls Father Wade through a sound and solid family life. 
these are the ways that he gets our attentions. He calls Father Wade through proper ethics, uh, virtuous ethics, um, and so forth. And, and we're called to respond to this by living our baptismal mandate and our confirmation mandate. Father Wade Menezes joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Let's stay on that because we said we were going to get back to faith and reason. Let's stay on faith for a second because I think what you said uh, gives me yeah. a perfect segue. Um, please tell our audience, okay, why faith alone does not work. Okay, number one, it's not scriptural. It's erroneous. We mentioned the word error. Okay, it yeah. is. It is erroneous. And also, please, because you, your book clears a lot of confusion out there, and also mention how the church condemns a works-based religion that goes back to the era of Pelagianism about seventeen hundred years ago. I know that's a long question, but Father Wade, talk about that, please. Well, faith alone can lead to a religious fanaticism. Okay. Uh, even uh, to killing in the name of God, okay? And reason alone, meaning without faith, can lead to such things as we see today in the culture, especially in Western culture, secular humanism, relativism, agnosticism, or for all practical purposes, an outright atheism. So those latter four come from a, a reason alone without faith, but faith alone without reason can lead to a religious fanaticism, again, even to the point of killing in, in God's name. And uh, we need both. This is why in his, his landmark encyclical, Fides et Ratio, Faith and Reason, uh, John Paul II, now saint, says that faith and reason are the two wings upon which the human spirit rises up to God. How beautiful is that? Right, uh, faith and reason are the two, are the two wings by which the spirit of the human person rises up to God. So we need both, huh? Um, you know, there's a great quote. Talk about a democracy, because that that's the angle that I can speak from as, as a U.S. citizen. I'll give you an example how how detrimental the the relativism, the secular humanism, the atheism or agnosticism can be to a democracy. There's a great quote by an unnamed uh, university professor from the University of Edinburgh, Scotland in the 18th century. He says this, quote, a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. Why? History has shown that democracies always end up collapsing over loose fiscal policy and have always been followed by a dictatorship. Listen to what he says as to why that's the case. Listen to this. This is because the people go from bondage to spiritual truth, huh? Spiritual truth to great courage, great courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance but from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependence, and from dependence back once again to bondage. Up all the way to liberty and abundance, but because the abundance is not tempered, back to the bondage, huh? You know, John Paul II used to talk about a third way between unbridled capitalism, unbridled capitalism, and socialism. He would say communism is clearly bad, socialism is clearly bad, 
and unbridled capitalism is clearly bad. There needs to be a third way between the unbridled capitalism and the socialism. Okay, so this is why we risk reason without faith leading us to this going up and back down to bondage. Um, you know, veritate splendor, Latin for the splendor of truth. In my opinion, the two great, the three greatest encyclicals of John Paul II are Fides et Ratio, Faith and Reason, Evangelium Vitae, the Gospel of Life, and Veritate Splendor, the splendor of truth. If Catholics could only read those three encyclicals, we could hopefully turn this, if Christians, non-Christians, those who just desire the common good, the best good, could just read these three encyclicals from a saint um, who lived in our own modern time, um, I believe we could begin to turn this tide around. Um, I, I'd love to say, gentlemen, if I can, uh, what I hope some of the target audiences are for this new book, Catholic Essentials, a, a Guide to Understanding Key Church Teachings. Can I share? Please, what please. I Please do. Yeah, okay. So first of all, I wrote it for a simple apologetical reading for Catholics to better defend the faith. As I say on page four, which is my dedication page, I dedicate the book to three different groups. Uh, number one, for all who practice their Catholic faith with great fervor. Number two, for the lukewarm Catholics. And number three, for those who have abandoned their Catholic faith may you soon return, huh? So as an apologetical tool for Catholics to better defend their faith, number two, for educational reading for all Catholics and non-Catholics alike, maybe there's a non-Catholic, a Protestant, or even a non-Christian, maybe a Muslim, who wants to know more about what the church teaches and why, especially those shared truths that we teach. For example, the Muslim faith is against abortion. The Catholics are against abortion, huh? Because of the innate dignity of the human person. Uh, number three, spiritual reading for all Catholics and non-Catholics alike. Maybe there's a good Catholic out there who makes a, a weekly holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament exposed the monstrance at their parish's Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, where our Lord's exposed in the monstrance in his Eucharistic presence 24-7, uh, right? Go and commit yourself to, to one, little short uh, one little short chapter a week, and through 81 weeks, go through the book, uh, and, and always sit down with it with a yellow highlighter or with a, a red marker pen so you can write in the margins what sticks out for you or underline with the red highlighter uh, what's, what stands out for you, right? Um, so spiritual reading for all Catholics, especially during Eucharistic adoration, um, for directors of religious education in parishes, for their catechumens, especially the catechumens who are age 13 and older, who can really grasp the teachings of the faith uh, that are coming into the church. Make this spiritual reading for your catechumens, uh, for di directors of religious education, leading the RCIA program. How about Catholic high schools, especially freshmen and higher? Uh, again, age 13 or 14 on up. Uh, to, to include this, especially for juniors and seniors, as part of your high school theology class. Uh, so for Catholic high schools, and also for book of the month clubs at parishes. Let's say the men's group uh, mean, meets in the parish hall on Wednesday mornings at 6.30 a.m. for an hour or so before the workday begins and they have to go out to work. You know, commit yourselves, gentlemen, to three chapters a week. And each week when you meet for coffee and donuts in the parish hall for your Wednesday morning 6.30 a.m. meeting, you can go over those three chapters and better verse yourself into the whys of our Catholic faith. So those are some of the, the groups, Catholic and non, that I hope will benefit from this new book.
Absolutely. Father Wade Menezes is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe discussing that book, Catholic Essentials. You could buy it at Sophia Institute Press. Joe, we have a little bit more time. Where do you want to go? I want to talk about the will, because ultimately that's the problem, our will. And we look to Our Lady because she conformed herself perfectly to our Lord. Her will was perfectly bent to God, and ours isn't. How do we arrive at that point or strive for that? Because I think we're, well, I'll speak for me. I'm my worst enemy. My will, I have to bend. And we were reluctant. Even like the holiest people, there's aspects, if we're honest with ourselves, that we don't want to bend. How do we guide the faithful in that direction, Father? Obviously, devotion to Our Lady is important because she teaches us um, about that, um, obviously. But how else? Because ultimately, everything in this book, if we could digest, we will not only improve our own lives and, and live the best version of ourselves, but the church will improve. There's no question. Why? Because yeah, right. Jesus said so. He said yeah. so. But it's the will. There's the problem. How do we start to work on that as, as a body, as, as, as a church? And you're right that personal conversion leads to a societal and ecclesial conversion, because the church is a society, just like secular society. So the individual conversion leads to ecclesial conversion, the church as a whole, leads to societal conversion as a whole, just like personal sin can lead to societal sin, veritable structures of sin. The church teaches us in her doctrine on sin, which comes to us namely from St. Augustine, who, again, himself suffered from sinful addiction to lust, something that the culture today greatly suffers from. But to answer your question about the will and, and learning about the importance of the will, I, I direct our listeners to this podcast and, and this video uh, simply to number 1803 of the Catechism, Joe. It's, it's one of my favorite, favorite, and I mean that literally. It's one of my favorite numbered paragraphs in the Universal Catechism. It's the one that gives us the definition of virtue and virtuous living. It's number 1803, 1803. It says this, virtue and virtuous living is pursuance of the good, the true, and the beautiful in concrete daily actions with all five of our bodily senses, our bodily powers, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, and the four primary spiritual powers of the soul, what are called the faculties of the soul, what are they? Intellect, will, memory, and imagination. These nine great gifts, the five bodily powers and the four spiritual powers, these nine great gifts and wanting to offer them to God daily to give that ascent of faith, that the definition of faith in the glossary of the catechism tells us to give that religious ascent to all that has been revealed to us. It's okay to question. It's okay to question. Mary questioned Gabriel the archangel at the time of the Annunciation. Wait a minute, Gabriel, wait a minute. How can this be since I do not have a husband? How can this be since I do not know man? Fear not, Mary, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And she gave that religious assent, let it be, un let it be done unto me according to thy word. So this, this beautiful definition of virtue and virtuous living and how we achieve it to become that best version of self involving the will that you're asking me about is by understanding and appreciating the body-soul composite of the human person. St. Thomas Aquinas teaches, we don't have bodies, we are bodies. 
He also teaches we don't have souls, we are souls. This is how intimate and intricate the body-soul compositeness is in the human person. St. Thomas Aquinas continues with this. He says, so important is the body-soul compositeness of the human person that we call the soul the form of the body, okay? It animates the body. He goes so far as to say this, where the angels are non-embodied spirits, the human person is an embodied spirit. What do you think of that, huh? So we want to give these five bodily senses, the, these five bodily powers and the four spiritual powers, the four faculties of the soul, intellect, will, memory, and imagination. Each morning, for example, when I make my morning offering, I give these nine great gifts to Almighty God. I want him to use them in me to not only bring myself to salvation, but to use me to bring others to salvation through their own nine great gifts of the five bodily powers and the four spiritual powers. This is important. You know, it, let me give you two examples. It could be something as mundane as pursuing the good, the true, and the beautiful in concrete daily actions, right, with these nine great gifts. It could be something as simple as or, or mundane as, you know what, do I really need this second piece of blueberry pie with vanilla ice cream? To something more serious as a husband asking himself interiorly, why do my wife and I, through fear, feel the need to continually contracept? Why? What are we so fearful of? Why are we so afraid of conceiving another child, a gift of God, in our marriage covenant? Why? Why are we so fearful to something more serious like that, where he begins to question his faith, and then as the husband and father witnesses to his wife about the need to not be living their lives by fear so much, right? Now, there could be a legitimate reason why they need to practice uh, natural family planning, but as far as the artificial contraception, much of which is as abortifacient contraception, which means that it can allow the sperm and the ovum to meet, and thus a human person is created through their conjugal union, but it spontaneously aborts through a chemical abortion. So mm -hmm. early on, the wife may not even know that she had it. Okay. Father Wade, I have to cut you off because we're coming up to the end of the show. I can, something tells me we could go on for hours, and hopefully we'll have you back in the future because we'd love to. This has been a great conversation. Father, the book is Catholic Essentials, a guide to understanding key church teachings. Where could folks buy it? They can buy it at EWTNRC.com. That RC stands for Religious Catalog, EWTNReligiousCatalog.com. The website is EWTNRC.com. Also available from SophiaInstitute.com, SophiaInstitute.com. Father Wade, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show, and hopefully we're going to have you back soon. Thank you all out there for joining us at the Frontline with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.